Building a successful real estate career requires you to adapt, pivot, and constantly master new skills. We're Katie and Daniel Steinfeld. We've built our own innovative brokerage, and in this podcast, we've assembled actionable tips and strategies that you can implement to take your business to its maximum potential. It's time to level up. Level up. It's Daniel and Katie here today with a very special guest. And Mike, we don't typically do this with guests. So this is like a big deal for everybody. This is like next level stuff right now. We're here with, um, yeah, with uh, Michael Samra, the prospecting ninja. And that is not an understatement at all. We're, we're going to talk all about uh, what he does, the successes he has, the things he's learned. And hopefully from that, you get to take some stuff away yourselves. And uh, we're going to make this perhaps the most useful session we've had to date for everybody here. <laughs> awesome. That'd be awesome. So, yeah. So thanks for coming, Mike. My pleasure. I'm happy to be here, guys. Thanks. Nice seeing you guys again. Yeah. Uh, uh, so why don't you start by telling us a little bit about how long you've been in the business, um, you know, how things have been going for you with COVID and everything. Sure. Um, so I've been in business for 10 years, uh, just under 10 years. Um, things are going well. I've been pretty consistent. I'm a pretty... I'm a pretty consistent agent as far as uh, my business, which I'm very fortunate enough. I know a lot of people have some ups and downs, but again, I, I really do attribute that mostly to the phone. That's what I, where I get most of my business from. So for me, COVID has been a little blurb, but it's given me an opportunity to uh, forge a little bit better relationships with some of these prospects that I have. So um, it allowed me to, and I'm always thinking outside the box, a different way of trying to connect with them. Mm-hmm. something a little bit different. So what I did as soon as COVID hit, right at the end of March, I sent to not only my sphere, but all my contacts that I made, a, I phone called with, that I talked to that may or may not be looking to sell. I sent them, um, I'm trying to find it here in my office. I sent them a card that basically said, you know, I've, I've sanitized my sanitizer. I'm ready to go. You mm-hmm. open the inside, it says, you know, keep this in case you run out of toilet paper. That's the, the whole toilet paper thing. And then <laughs> there's a little note to basically say, you know, um, I've, I've, I've inserted a pack of seeds. I know during these uncertain times, at least these seeds, you can watch them grow and it will bring some light into your day. So and I sent those out. So uh, it was a little bit of an investment, but I had such a great response from that. And I solidified so much more business because of that through that. So, mm-hmm. and, and you said that was to your prospects. Like that wasn't just a blanket send to a neighborhood or was or it? A- no, it wasn't to a neighbor. So it wasn't like an ad mill or anything. It was people that I've I've spoken to. So everybody in my database list that I've made a contact with, uh, people who I haven't talked spoken to that maybe are future interests. So I categorize, I use I use a couple that we'll get into it, but I use a mojo dialer and I use a CRM. So I combine both of those. Anybody that I've spoken to within the last year that I've made a contact with, whether they're a hot lead, warm lead, future follow-up those people I've sent them out. So I sent out about four, 400, 500 cards. Wow. That's great. Yeah. And so that speaks to having a database and the value of building that list. Where does one start? Because, you know, to become a ninja, you have to get a white belt and everything before (laughs) you become the black belt that you are. So 
on, on your way there, what would be kind of the beginning of your journey, the things you learned, some of the things to look for and avoid as someone starting to put together their own systems? So the very first thing, like you mentioned, is a database. So when I first started, the first thing I did is put everybody that I knew, all the contacts I made into, and if you can't afford a CRM and you don't want to pay for it, just put it into an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, an Excel spreadsheet not, is not expandable. It's not, uh, you can't, once it gets a certain point, it becomes unmanageable. So mm-hmm. for the time being a new agent, put everybody into an Excel spreadsheet, name, phone number, address, email, all that stuff. That way you have them in there, put a co- another section for notes or comments, and then make a contact with them. It's all about forging relationships. Even if it's just calling to say, you know, this is a perfect excuse to call and not even talk about real estate. And I guarantee you they'll bring up real estate. Just yeah. to call somebody and say, hey, how's it going? You guys holding up okay? You know, I haven't spoken to you in a long time. You know, family's great, all that stuff. Yeah, everything's great. And if you left it at that, I guarantee you, they're going to ask you, oh, well, how's the real estate market doing? And then there's your segue. And you basically made a phone call without talking about real estate where they're asking you about real estate. Right. So yeah. the biggest thing is database, 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 database. Put together your list and continually add to that list. Okay. Um, when I first started, I was told, you know, you know, at the lineup at the grocery store, hand out five cards, talk to people in the line, go, you know, when you're buying a coffee, talk, you know, give cards out like that way. So if you can add people to that database, you have a better chance of converting that database over. Yeah. And how often are you typically or would you typically follow up with your database? Do you have a set period of time or does it depend on the type of person that's in there? Yeah, it's, it's pretty specific on who I'm dealing with. So. I have a lot of things that are happening without me doing things. And, and, and the, the biggest thing about a CRM is leveraging your time. So my CRM is working for me when I'm sleeping. That's how I like to put it. So there's some people who are in my sphere that have past clients that are getting solds of their neighborhood once every month. So they're getting in contact that way. Do I call them all the time? No, not necessarily. I will follow up with them once in a while. But then they're also getting my newsletter, that email newsletter that comes out once a month. Um, some of them are on my social media, so I see, and uh, you know, I'm always metricizing and, and taking a look. They're looking at my my stories on Instagram or Facebook. They're engaging me in that way, so I know mm-hmm. I'm in contact with them that way. And there's other people that I have to physically make that phone call. So it really depends at what level or who they are. If it's a contact that is looking to sell, I'm a little bit more hands on with that person. So not only they're going to get, you know, maybe the solds in their area or new scenes in their area. They're not only getting the newsletter once a month, but they're also going to get a phone call or even a pop by just to say, hey, how's it going? I'm in the neighborhood or whatnot. So you have to there's there's nothing that fits in that box. And I think that's the hardest part about real estate is that there is no box to fit anything into. It's really what's going to work for you Mm -hmm. and not necessarily what's going to work for you, but what works maybe for other people and how you can maybe streamline it for yourself as well. So. Yeah. So when you have the database, I mean, there's, like you said, a million different kind of streams that people can fall into. Like, how do you bucket people right now? Like, are there specific kind of high level, maybe three or four clear buckets? Um, Or do you go way deeper than that into a lot of different streams? I mean, I have to simplify that answer. There's hot lead, warm lead, and maybe a future follow up. Those are the three, how I categorize most of my leads. A hot lead is somebody who's looking to buy or sell in the next zero to three months. That's a, that's a hot lead. That's somebody that I have to give my full attention to. I have to follow up, keep maybe on daily, by daily or weekly basis, you know, see what they're doing, what are they thinking, where they're looking, are they looking at listings, are they not? 
Uh, a warm lead is, you know, maybe three to nine months, someone who maybe I'm looking in the springtime or maybe I'm looking next year. So that's a warm lead where you don't need to be all over them. And mm -hmm. it's all about, it's, it's a fine line to making sure that you're following up, but not too much, but not, not enough. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to be annoying, but you don't want them to forget about you. So it's that fine balance and each person is different. So yeah. people want to hear from you every single week or every couple of weeks or see that email. Other people said, listen, I told you fall time. Don't call me till, you know, September. Right. So you have to gauge that. And all of that comes from being able to, again, attribute to being on the phone, being able to listen to the tonality, to listen to their vibration, to listen to their attitude and engage in that sense. And, you know, sometimes you're wrong, but for the most part, you can get it right. Yeah. So did you start out with cold calling or is this something that's kind of happened over time? I started out with cold calling. I started okay. out as a necessity. So um, I got into real estate, uh, my wife will say, probably at the very worst time that I could. Um, I was a, a commercial plumber. I, after about five years, I hated it. I mm. didn't really want to go into work anymore. I didn't like the industry, didn't like what I was doing. We were pregnant with our first. My wife was on mat leave and I decided to quit my job and start taking the real estate courses. Right <laughs> Perfect timing. No money's coming in, nothing at all. And I'm taking these real estate courses. Perfect. And yeah. to boot, I'm not even passing them. I'm hiring a tutor to help me pass these real estate courses because my mind wasn't there. So um, I did a couple of side hustles on the side. I was doing vending and stuff like that, vending machines. I started a little business. So very, I, I'm okay with, with moving along, but during that time, I got my license and I'm like, okay, great. Got my license. What do I do now? And that's what I hear from all new agents. I got my license. What do I do? So I had no idea what to do. I had to make, make money. I had no choice. I, I was either sink or swim. So back at that time, Craigslist and Kijiji was very popular. So mm -hmm. I would every single evening, I would basically get booted out of Kijiji from them telling me that I've reached the maximum amount of emails I can send out. <laughs> and I would just send out an email. Hi, I'm da, da, da. like, it was probably the shittiest, like, uh, worst plug I can give or, 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 or line I can give somebody, but I was just at least trying. And right. then I started to build up that little bit of confidence and uh, okay, I'm getting no response. I'm going to call some of these people. And I have a couple of recordings still of, of old phone calls that I would record myself of trying to convert somebody over a, a FISBO or stuff like that. Um, and that's really how I started. And through that, I realized. There was a, there was there was there was something there. One yeah. of the agents at my office, um, who is notorious for door knocking, that's how he is attributed most of his business, would come into my office because I'd be there right at nine o'clock, and he'd see me, he'd peek in and say, "You're calling? Good. How long you call for? Uh, two hours. Good. You've done more work than every single agent in this office right now. You know what? You can go home and go. I go golfing at eleven o'clock, and that's what he would do. He'd door knock for two hours and golf for the rest of the day." Hmm. The high producing agent. So I was like, okay, this guy, this guy is doing really, really well. And this is his kind of attitude towards the business. And through that, I started to say, you know what, there, there's, there's money to be made here. There is a way to connect with people. And I was really good at connecting with people on the phone and started to reach out for some certain coaching for calling and stuff like that. And then over time, it, it's become my routine. It's attributed to almost 70% of my businesses, this, this phone call in the, the, the neighborhood that I farm. So, Well, and, and I mean, I'm going to use that as a segue to the first of what might be more than one plug for your Facebook group, mm -hmm. because that's where, I mean, that's where I first met you virtually was finding, yeah. finding you 
and this is something, is it, is it once a week or twice a week now that you go live on uh, prospecting ninjas? I don't know. I, I try to go one, at least once. I find it boring for people to tune in, but yeah, once or twice a week, I'll try to go. Uh, I try to call. I call about three times a week, so I'll record at least two of those sessions. It's prospecting ninjas, right? That's the name of the group. Okay. If you look for that group on Facebook, I'm promising on Mike's behalf that he will allow you in. <laughs> and it is a group where quite literally Mike goes on the phone and cold calls. You can hear the calls. You can see the wins, the losses, learn the lessons. And while it's probably a great thing, and we've talked about it, I mean, it's great. It's the same sort of thing, keeping you accountable to doing yeah. it a lot. Yeah. Very much so. it's, it's such an awesome tool for people who might be on the fence or nervous about, well, what if people don't like me? What if people don't pick up the phone? You know what? Shit happens. Yeah. But that's why some people do it and fight through it. And some people say, I'll sit this one out. Watching Mike do it will give you the confidence that it's not as terrible as some people might lead you to believe. Yeah. And so just don't call the people on Mike's list. And he'll be fine. <laughs> no, you can go. I encourage the competition. I love it. Go ahead. Like, no problem. Honestly, like I, I've seen some entertainment on there. And I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm like kind of an, I'm an in and out guy, but I'll always remember the, uh, the pumpkin person. Oh, when you were giving away pumpkins and this person, oh, it, it was fantastic. It was just someone who wouldn't allow you to do something nice, basically. Like, yeah. they, they didn't want to hear it, but the even keel you had and the way you can have fun with yeah. people who aren't always the nicest is yeah. it's the phone equivalent of getting a door slammed in your face and going on to the next one. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I've already told you how awesome I think it is. I think everybody else needs to watch it. If you have any concerns or questions about cold calling, like we'll ask more questions now, but yeah. go there if you just want a reminder of what it's like and to even see the tools and the way that you do it. So why don't we talk about that? So how yeah. do you do, your cold calling on the system and technical side. Okay, so perfect. So basically I use a dialer. So what a dialer does is I load in numbers to this dialer. It's called the Mojo dialer. I load in numbers and the dialer automatically calls all these numbers. And I have it um, categorized with certain areas of the farm area that I call. Now I do wanna state that calling your farm is probably the most uh, advantageous for you as an agent. So to call an area where you have a for sale sign and that you're flyering and then you have a phone call, those three solidify or it helps to solidify your name over you know, time. So that would be a great thing. I'm not saying you can't cold call just a random area if you wanna do it by all means, but it does help when they hear my voice, they see my sign, they see my flyer. Mm -hmm. Guess what? You build a little bit, a little bit of traction over the years when you do that. So, sure. um, so I use a dialer that dials these numbers for me. And then basically, It'll get me a live person on the phone. And the neat thing about the Mojo dialer is I get to see their name. I can see their address. I also get to see, see their street view of their home. So when I'm calling a house, I can see, oh, yeah, you live in that bungalow with the green garage. Well, hmm. and again, so part of my part of my shtick is I grew up in the area. I probably ridden down their street. I probably hopped their fence as a kid. So for me, then to solidify to say, yeah, I recognize, and I probably do recognize the house, but having it in front of me allows me to see it a little bit clearer. Mm -hmm. It gives them a little bit more comfortability in it. And you start to then become that area expert a little bit more so. Um, so I use the dialer. It, I, after I talk to somebody, I categorize that somebody, and it's automatic with those categories. It's hot lead, warm lead, future follow-up, or trash. 
And then that's how I categorize these people. And my objective with calling is to add people to the database. That's really what I want to do. I want to get their email address. If they're interested this year, next year, six months, two months, four years from now, or they're never going to sell. And then I just go through these, these, these calls um, for about two hours, roughly. I hit about 250 calls. Mm -hmm. And that system allows me to bang through that many calls that fast. And so that is that connected to um, like the do not call list, I'm assuming, so that you, you're ensuring you're calling the right. Yeah. So back up before that, I use telelisting. So that's telelisting is only available in Canada. So if there's any U.S. people, you, you can do it through Mojo. But I uh, subscribe to telelisting. I collect the numbers from telelisting. I scrub them with the do not call list because they already have that. And then I download those numbers into an Excel spreadsheet. So that's wow. where I get the numbers. I have a master list that I pull from that I load into Mojo. Okay, got awesome. it. So yeah, that answers. We've had a few questions come in. One person was asking, Tori was asking, can we use dialers in Canada? So you sort of addressed that yes. you are, yeah. you're not in jail. <laughs> no. You can use them. I just, I think, I believe, and I might be incorrect, but you cannot leave mass voice messages with the dialers. Ah, okay. Right. So you can't, so I, when I cold call, I don't leave a message, but you can't have an automatic voice message being left. Mm -hmm. Where in the States is a little bit different with that. So. Yeah. They, they, they talk about that a lot in the States as not even just as advertising, but even as a way when you don't want to talk to somebody, you want to avoid the tough call, you do the auto voicemail. But, mm -hmm. um, awesome. And then a, another question, uh, not Victoria. to get, oh, it's from Victoria. Yeah. Um, not that I want to get away completely from the cold calling, but this ties in is she's asking if you follow a script and I know scripts are something you're a real pro at as well. So why don't you yeah, definitely follow a script, the script I've done it so long that I have the script and I explain this to a lot of people and, and maybe I don't explain it properly. It's like a family tree. So I already know the answer to their question before they even answer. So if they answer, yes, I know where I'm going. If they mm -hmm. answer no, I know where I'm going. So having a script is great. Um, I do it a little bit more fluidly. So I understand where the conversation, I'm always leading it. I always know where I'm going to take it. I have an idea already, but following the script, I would say having the objection, being able to handle the objection is much more important because I know all my objection handlers. That's my script. Basically they say they're not really looking to sell my objection handlers. Oh, have you given any thought, you know, maybe later this year or early next year, that's my objection handler to not right now. That's how I asked that question a second time as well. So being really good at handling objections is your best bet to start off with. And mm -hmm. you know the objections already because you already mm -hmm. them how many times. So right. how would you handle them properly? What would you say to that objection? And role playing is, is a way to hone that craft. Absolutely. Uh, we won't get into all the specific objections and all that, but like when do you identify either A, this is trash, and you know yeah, it's trash. That's my question. <laughs> uh, B, it's we'll try this again later, but they're not dead to me. And C, maybe shifting it to a conversation where, okay, do you know anybody else? Like maybe this person is dead to me, but yeah. I can maybe extract somebody else out of them because the conversation's okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it really comes down to the tonality. So, I usually, for the most part, um, I ask the question if they're looking to sell twice. So the very first one, it's just on the opening statement, just wondering if you've considered selling anytime soon. I listen for the response. If it's a hum, mm, pause, something like that, then I kind of know. If it's never leaving here, you have to take me feet first in a box. Well, there's no point to ask the question again. <laughs> and I get that a lot, right? So you yeah. listen to the response and you have to be responsive. You have to be able to think on your feet in that sense. Mm -hmm. If there's a hesitation, if there's a pause, 
oh, okay, well, have you maybe thought about selling later this year or maybe early next year? Mm -hmm. And elicit a conversational response. Well, we've kind of, we're not like, oh, there you go. Now you're in a conversation. You're not pitching anymore. You're mm -hmm. having a conversation with a prospect on the phone. And then you start getting other questions that lead to that. Mm -hmm. And so, so from 250 some odd calls, how, what's the kind of connect rate you expect to have that you typically reach, even though it varies? But. Yeah, no, I mean, it's pretty consistent. 17 to 21% contact rate. So out of a hundred phone calls that the system makes for me, I'll have a, I'll contact or I'll speak to approximately 20 people. Out of those 20 people, and it's funny how it's changed over, I would say, the last five years. Out of the 20 people, I'll add maybe one or two people to my database. You know, okay. Not necessarily people that want an appointment. Four years ago, I was doing about a 25% appointment rate. Wow. Yeah, out of those 20 contacts, I was actually booking listing appointments to go to see four or five people uh, in a call session, which was huge. People are not like that anymore. People yeah. are not willing to like right away. I'm, I, I want to sell. I have, I have literally the last four, uh, listings that I have are from people from over 500 days ago that I contacted through the mm -hmm. phone, through nurturing them, through following up, through having a system that emails them. The last one basically told me, Mike, the only reason I've listed with you is because I see your videos and your emails and the sold, all that stuff, the solds in the area. And I felt very comfortable using you. And I, 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 I was a, a, an, an, ability to see a little bit of my personality and he felt comfortable with that. So that's, it's more the long game now, as opposed to booking an appointment because, you know, I, I, I was coached by some other coaches where, yeah, you, you call, you want to book the appointment. Can I come over tonight? And da, 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 da. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, people are, people yeah. are not willing to do that. Like that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you, and you are able to feel that and, you know, you know, when to pull back and maybe, maybe with some people you can ask that question, but I would imagine with a lot of people, it's, that's a little too aggressive for them. Yeah. And, they and that's, where, that's where the downfall for a lot of other people who are prospecting. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I hear a lot is that they're very pushy. That's mm -hmm. pushy, right? So yeah. there's a fine line and I can tell you hundred percent, I've lost listening because I wasn't pushy enough. Right. Else was pushy, but yeah. at the end of the day, you have to do what you feel is right for yourself mm -hmm. and how, what what it is in line with your character. That's really what it comes down to. Right. Yeah. Uh, we have a question. Another question here asking what time of day you typically call. I tell people it doesn't matter as long as you call, but I call. <laughs> I usually call at nine o'clock to about eleven. Um, yeah. That's just what fits into my schedule, but. Do you call when you can call? If you've got a half hour to call at two o'clock, call at two o'clock. You need a large enough sample size to start to say, well, I get better rates at this time than this time. I get better, you know, contact rates at this time than that time. Then you can start to figure out what works for you. But each neighborhood is going to have a different uh, contact rate uh, percentage uh, throughout the time of day. Um, yeah. The area that I call here, nine o'clock works for me. I get a good percentage rate depending. Um, certain areas like in the Vaughn area, you're not going to get anybody answering at nine o'clock. You have a very low contact rate. Your contact rate is better at around three to five um, mm -hmm. or, you know, six to eight or something like that. So it just depends on the area. And that's why I like the Mojo Dollar that I use because it breaks it down in, in as far as my details of my calls. How mm -hmm. many calls I made? What are my contact ratios? Okay, this was a, a crappy session. How long was I on the phone for? How long was my talk time? How did I categorize all these people? So it doesn't matter when you call, you need to just start calling. It's just like, I want to learn to skate. Well, it doesn't matter when you go skate, just get on the ice and skate and then you'll figure out 
how to do everything else. So. Right. Yeah. Would you advise calling calling um, around? Or would you advise against calling over dinner time? Like, is that a big no no? Or do you know people that do that? For me, I don't feel comfortable doing it. Yeah. I just don't yeah. feel comfortable doing it. And people are having dinner. I, I don't want to be that person, right? So, yeah. yeah and am I, do, would I have missed out on some listings? Possibly, but it's what's bringing it's what works for you. Yeah. Right? It's, again, it's part of my care. It's what my character is. It's, it's, it's how I feel I want to do it. And mm -hmm. I don't feel right doing that. So I won't. Yeah. Uh, but there's, again, there's a fine line to coming out of your comfort zone as well and you know not doing something so not calling at dinner time is a different story as opposed to not wanting to call at all right you yeah. have to get out of that comfort zone to call but yeah let's figure out a time that works i'm not going to make an excuse of not calling today because i didn't want to call at dinner time i'll just call mm -hmm. it nine o'clock or 12 o'clock or a different time okay that's good okay we've got a, another question here from sandra and this is a common one I used to see also in sales training. And I think I know what you're going to say, but I want to okay. hear your answer to this. If you call someone and they say they'll call you back later, she's sure. saying, okay, if I hear that, she feels like they just want to get rid of her. Would you call them again? Or how would you respond to that? So they basically won that conversation and got you off the phone. So mm -hmm. we, there's a whole bunch of steps before that. So first of all, yeah, I definitely can call you back. Not a problem. Would it be okay though, if I got your email address and I can keep in contact with you that way as well. Mm -hmm. And then that way you can add that person to your database, which allows you to send out valuable information such as, and I use that a lot. I find it very valuable to send out, you know, solds in their area. So for me to be able to send out what things sell for when things get listed in their pocket or their neighborhood, mm -hmm. they'll open that email. That's interesting to them, especially if they're looking to sell. Mm -hmm. right. So getting their email address and being able to do that and saying, oh, sure, not a problem. Why, they did, why do they want to call you back? What did you say before that for mm -hmm. them to want to call you back? Were they interested in selling? So if they are want to call me back and they were interested in selling, not a problem. I can definitely call you back tonight around 8 o'clock. Um, but I am in the area tomorrow around 2. I'd love to come by and maybe take a look at the home quickly and then uh, maybe meet in person and give you a better idea of what your home is worth. So mm -hmm. just how, why did, what's the context of that? I need, I need to know a little bit more and I can tell you how to get over that objection. Um, so going back to systems, you've got your, um, your telelisting, it go feeds into your mojo dialer. Yeah. Um, and then it, does that then go to the CRM or how does that work? So yeah, the CRM and the, and the dialer are two separate things. So, okay. um, I basically, I guess in essence, I have two CRMs. Mojo Dialer is its own little CRM by itself. Okay. I keep the Mojo Dialer CRM for people who do not have emails. Okay. So anybody who does not have an email, I go through the Mojo Dialer CRM and I'll go through them and I physically have to call those people. As soon as I get somebody that has an email address, I put them into my CRM. Uh, and that CRM allows me to send them um, you know, solds for their neighborhood, uh, listings in their neighborhood, and then now I can track them because the CRM that I use allows me to track when they open an email, what they've looked at, how many houses they've looked at, all that details, where are their IP addresses located. I mm -hmm. can look at that on my CRM with ease and now that now I can track them properly. Okay. Which CRM do you use? I use Agent Locator. Agent Locator. Okay. Yeah. So I'm and using that's a whole package, right? With your website and everything. Yeah. So it does, it does the website. It has the CRM. Uh, to be honest, the website's... It's great. It's just, it's not a lot. I had, I find now more so people are looking at me from the website and then registering to do searches. Mm -hmm. um, 
but it's a CRM that that where the the money's to be made, and that's what allows me to send out those sold, send out the the listings, being able to track them, and that's what I go into every morning and I look at the last activity. So I see who was active last, who's mm -hmm. been looking at the emails, who opened up the emails this morning from their listings, and then I can dictate or not dictate, I can then decide who I want to call. Okay, well, you know, Daniel opened up the email, and Daniel's a, a warm lead who's thinking of looking up in in looking at selling in, in the fall. And I talked to him like three months ago. So you know what, Daniel's just looking at a few of those. I'm going to call him and just to follow up and see how things were going. And the good thing about having a system, whether it's agent locator or any other system, is that when I call Daniel, Daniel's going to know me already. Mm -hmm. Daniel, hey, my, thanks so much for the emails. I appreciate it. Yeah, that house that got listed. Or mm -hmm. the other thing is that I get emails from people that I can't believe they listed at that price. That's crazy, outrageous. <laughs> I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> But the system sent them a listing that's in their area that they're outrageous right. about. Yeah. Contact. So again, it's leveraging a little bit of, of a system for your time. So for sure. Yeah. So have you ever or tried or still do not today, but door knocking? Are you uh, are you a door to door ever, or that's not your jam at all? That's not my jam. I've tried it a couple of times. I probably tried it probably during the hottest days of the year years ago, and I'm like, this is awful. Um, I'm more about efficiency. So I um, I started in the business. Uh, my wife doesn't work now, but before she was in the corporate world. So she would be out of the out of the house before the kids went to school and come, came back at dinner time. So my schedule was based around my three kids, getting them ready for school, dropping them off at school, and then coming home in time to pick them up from school. So for me to door knock two hours throughout the day, drive to my farm area, door knock, hit 10 doors, come back home or whatever it happens to be, wasn't very efficient. Mm -hmm. yeah. For me to knock out 250 calls and and talk to 20 people in an hour or two hours was way more efficient for me. So it was about how efficient can it be? Um, and what I'm more, I guess, not comfortable, but where I thought I had a better success rate. I, I felt I had a better success rate to cold calling than door knocking. So with with the mojo dialer and with the way that it's working you're calling 250 or so a day you're connecting with call it 20 or so so 230 i guess they kind of go back into the pot for next time is that how it tends to work the ones you didn't reach yeah so they'll go back in so only call it'll go through the whole list so if there's a thousand people on the list and i've called 250 people i'm hot or a thousand people 500 it'll continue on from the next keep on going down Okay. And once it's done, it'll go back to the top of that list. If I've, And it won't allow me to call somebody within a 48-hour period. Right. So if I've called somebody yesterday, it won't allow me to call that person again today. So it'll show up when I go to that list that there's zero available to contact me. Okay. okay. In my neighborhood, I have like six different areas that I call. So if I have, um, if I have, I'll, I'll use Woodbridge. If I have some, something in East Woodbridge, I can call the East Woodbridge. And then if I have something in Valour, I'll call Valour. If I have something in West Woodbridge, I have something in maple so that's how i have mine kind of organized so if i'm done my maple list i'll go to the Valour village list and then start calling that one and then in three days later i'll be able to call back the maple list again got it okay so have you always had the same farming area or have you kind of adjusted over over the years i've had pretty much the same area i've called the same area for quite a long time yeah um, i have done a couple of different areas but mm -hmm. I felt more comfortable here because I grew up in the area. I yeah. live here, so for me, it really it, it, there was that comfortability level, as well as I was able to 
really tell people that I know the area very well. I was able to yeah. you know, take back to years ago when this was here or that was there or how it's changed. It, it, it really was, I was able to connect with people a lot more. Yeah, well, you just feel more comfortable. I know when I have listings in our, in the back, in our uh, back area, like it's like, I know where the school, I know what the schools are. I know the parks are coming. Like you just know, and you can just speak so much more confidently about it. Um, so how big is your farming area? So right now, I think it's about 6,500. Okay. Yeah, I just literally bumped it up. It was about 54800 and I bumped it up literally within the last couple of months to go just a little bit, a little bit more, but I'm at about 6,500 that I'm currently flyering and calling. Okay. <laughs> and Sorry. do you attribute the size to the fact that like you're calling? Like, I, I'm just thinking if somebody wants to door knock, would you have a smaller farming area as a result? Or sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, if that, if that works, it's, I mean, you have to, again, I'm about metrics. So go door knock for your three hours that you plan on door knocking three times a week at three hours. How many doors do you hit in those three hours? You're doing it three times a week. Well, what can I hit per month? And then when, when do I have to go through that list again? So okay. that's really what you have to look at in that sense. Okay. Right. Sense. So let's talk about motivation. Yes. For a minute. <laughs> because I mean, whether it's cold calling, door knocking, whatever, people are either driven or they're not. I mean, I kind of, I mean, I guess there's a hot, warm, cold for that too, but really you're either going to do it or you're going to find a reason why you're not doing it. hundred um, percent. And like you said, you do it all the time, but not every day. I mean, I'm sure there's been days where you don't put any names in your database. There's so, been days where I don't even get out of bed and it's like, yep, I'm sure I'm done. <laughs> like, I'm out. I don't even want to forget it. I'm not doing anything. And that, that's all right. <laughs> so, what uh, what are a couple things or like the main thing that drives you some words of advice for those who are getting started and are either nervous or apprehensive about whatever approach they're going to take? So I love to use sports analogies, whether it's baseball, hockey, stuff like that. You can't always be looking for a home run. Mm -hmm. So when you're cold calling, people are like, oh, don't people tell you no? I said, yeah, exactly. I'm looking for 99 no's so I can get my one yes. So every no that I get along my way, I'm putting, I'm getting closer to that. Yes. And it's all about mindset. Exactly. Like you said. So I'm looking at it from a totally different point of view. I have to go through that. I have to take 50 shots on that to get the goal. I have to swing the bat and strike out seven, 10, 15 times before I can hit the ball. And sometimes it's just a, a single or a double. It's not always a home run. It's very rarely a home run. But I just want to get on base. So I need to get up to bat. You need to take the swing. You're gonna you are going to get told no. Your people are not gonna be happy with you, but it's about that magic word called next, 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 next. I'm getting closer to my goal by getting that no, by getting that, you know, maybe that that hard person. And there's been not so much now, but there's been in past years where I've taken a break after that call after it, it shook me, whatever it like, oh, yeah. man, like, yeah, like you feel like shit. And I'll admit that But for the most part now, I think I've grown pretty thick skin in the sense that I'm okay. I'm just on to the next one. Um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's an evolution. It'll always be an evolution. So it's, you're constantly learning. You're constantly honing that skill. So think of it in the sense that every no puts me closer to a yes will help you out when you're on that tough call, at least. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. So. I listen to a lot of music. So I always, and, and a lot of my, I'm noticing a lot of my, 
uh, prospecting ninja videos are getting banned because I have music in the background. Warner uh, <laughs> copyrighted it, so I was like, so for music for me is huge. I come to work with music. I have my lists I listen to, so I find that music motivates me. I find it, it puts me, it changes my vibration level. So do stuff that's going to get you pumped that you're going to be excited about. I look at it in the sense that this is how I do my business. This is where I make my money. So I'm excited to do this. I am the thrill of the hunt type of guy. Yeah. So I enjoy the hunting, going, yeah. searching, finding, finding that thing, and then, you know, bringing the kill home. That's so I, that's where I noticed that's where my mentality is. Um, and that's really what prospecting is. Yeah, gold, gold mining is it's the same concept. You got to go through a whole bunch of dirt to find those nuggets of gold, and that's really all you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's, that's, so good. that's it. And when people are new, I mean, what we've seen time and time again is the first three months, it's going to be a lot of hunting, six months, however long it takes. Mm-hmm. And you hit it right on the head. It's next, 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 because. And you got to enjoy that process well, and, and yeah, too. Find your yeah, niche. Yeah, door knocking's not for everyone, cold calling's not for everyone, yeah. but when you know you're getting closer to the promised land, you know, that first kill for me, at least like when you get one, even if it's not a sale, even if it's just a name that goes in the database and you're like, I've got something (laughs) calling in nine months. It's like, give me another one. Yeah. I've got got my papers here from a couple. Yeah. I got someone's email. I got somebody's, uh, you know, they're interested next year. Call me next year. Like, yeah, that's for me. That's a win. That's a small little victory. That's like, yes, it it works. Exactly. And like you said, the more you keep on going to it, you start to get bigger victories. You start to get closer to that goal. Yeah. So it's just, you have to stay motivated. You have to really know why you're doing it. You have to enjoy it to a certain degree. And sometimes you hate it. It's not something you're going to love all the time, yeah. right? but it's part of the, part of my business. Right. So what's, what's interesting to me too, is you do great business and you've got a network and you're getting listings and all that, but you keep going with yeah. the cold calling. And I mean, nothing against those who have built their network to the point where it's just their phone is ringing with referrals and all that. But you know what? There's so much there's so much to admire in someone who says, yeah, my phone might ring and there's people who recognize me and I could just call hot leads and forget telelisting. But it's that hunger and the hunt that really separates the two types of people, I think. So at the end of the day, if I'm not feeling my constantly filling my pipeline, then it doesn't work. So the person who I just sold their house that was in my database for 906 days ago, if I don't add another person in my database, then, you know, in two years, I may not get that sale. So for me, maybe it's the worry that I don't have enough and that I'm always want to keep on adding. I want to keep on hunting and gathering and getting them in, getting them in that way they flourish. And, you know, you use the the gardening analogy as well. You're you're planting all those seeds, planting all those seeds. They're going to sprout at some time. But if I stop planting seeds and just wait for the, the the plants to grow, then once I harvest it, I'm done. And that's kind of where I have that fear that I, I never want to lay back and just, and my phone doesn't ring, trust me. <laughs> I don't care what new agents think. Like after many years, like I just don't sit by the phone. I just get phone calls. Oh, come listen to my house. Oh, perfect. Great. Yeah. We've, we've had three listings come since we started. No. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. does happen. And when it does happen, those are gimmies. So for me, that's a gimme. That's perfect. That 
that was my hard work, but that's not what makes up my business. Right. No. And you're finding everybody their forever home anyway. So they're never coming back to you again, yeah. right? Once, yeah, once yeah, exactly. you're, yeah. you're, you're moving again. Yeah. Well, it's like an insurance policy. You know, you've got, especially in this industry, you don't know where your next business is going to come. And mm -hmm. if you're supporting a family like you are, um, like we are, we need to make sure that we keep getting the business coming in or else we're in really big trouble. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's funny. A lot of new agents get like for me, even years ago, I would get discouraged by seeing, you know, the top salesperson of the month on the list and all that other stuff. Uh, the one thing that I've realized is that there's um, some agents that do this a lot and mm -hmm. there's the other agents that just do this. And it's mm -hmm. funny because about three years ago, I was never on the top three for the brokerage for mm. the month. I never made top three, but I finished in the top 20 for the office for the year. Mm. Means that I was consistent. I had two, three closings every single month. I didn't peak, but I was that consistent level, which that for me, I really, I don't, I don't care about that gl glitz and glamour. It's again, like you said, it's about providing for my wife and kids and making sure I have food on the table and we can live how we want to live. That's what's more important. And Absolutely. I think a lot of agents these days are more concerned with the glitz and glamour. And do I hit top three? Do I have a Mercedes? Am I wearing loafers with no socks? That <laughs> kind of stuff. Where, right? For, for yeah. me, I couldn't care less. I drive, my wife gives me shit. I drive a Ford Explorer that my daughter banged the side door and I pulled into the garage in. It's decent <laughs> enough where it looks okay. Um, I never, never worn a tie to a listing appointment. That's just how I am. But yeah. I'm not about the glitz and glamour. I'm more, my focus is making sure that my client gets the best experience possible. I do everything I can. And at the end of the night, I put my head on the pillow and say, yeah. I did everything I could. And I feel in my soul that I did the best job I could for that person. Absolutely. That's, that's my yeah. objective all the time. So yeah, yeah well, that's real happiness. Is and that's the thing, because in this industry, and we've talked about it with listings, like things are going to go sideways. Things are going to, you know, you don't, you can't control the process. All you can do is try your absolute best and have your client's best interests at the forefront. And if that's all you're doing, then that is a good, that makes you an amazing realtor. And as you said, you can go to sleep at night knowing that you did your best. Yeah. It's not always getting, playing the hand in the hand that you have it's sometimes you know acting the hand that you never got in that sense i can't remember what that saying is but yeah, yeah, you're not always going to get the best hand but you got to maybe sometimes play yeah. and the best like cards are dealt. Yeah. yeah yeah in that sense yeah. right so it's yeah and nothing is ever going as planned if you believe that and especially in this industry everything is just peachy cream and everything just goes exactly how it has to be that's why i love the cold calling and and talking to people live is because it's so fluid all the time yeah. that always happens. This guy may bring up this, doesn't want to sell this deal goes sour. Plan B's are always great to have. And you always need to have that. And I guess over time with working with the scripts and objections, I always have that next step in my head all the time. Mm -hmm. I always have plan B. I always have that backup. I'm always looking at the different angles of it all the time. So, mm -hmm. yeah. No, that's great. Um, so Laura had a question. Does success rate vary by demographic? Uh, millennials, for example, are notoriously, they don't like talking on the phone. So do you find that it varies depending on the, the demographic you're talking to? So it's funny because I would say about four years ago, um, people didn't want to talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. I remember I changed my for sale sign where I took my picture off of it and just put that because they wanted it to be where it's just like a, a company and they didn't want it. I'm finding more so now that people want that 
to feel, they want to feel special. Mm. Millennials are not millennials. They want someone that's going to walk them through it. That makes them feel good. I just sold a condo to a 28 year old guy who basically, yeah, I texted him, but meeting him in person, walking him through things. That's what he, that's where I got him. That's what made him feel that comfort level that I was showing him the condo, being able to walk him through things, doing this, being in communication. So I found four or five years ago, it was email and, and, and text and no conversation and just kind of very, very black and white or more so now people want that feel good, that feel good emotion at the end of the day. So, yeah, well, that's great. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you do the business how you want to do it. I, yeah. I've encountered, you know, what she what that question was was more so of you know we, we talk about internet leads a lot internet leads are very you know online you do texts you do emails i'm finding more so now is that in order to convert those you mm -hmm. still have to now verbal you have to get on the phone with them you have to meet them that's how you truly convert that person yeah so that tell me is that tells me that they they need that they need that connection that comfortability with a voice and within person so it still will end up at that at that end of the stage of the game so mm -hmm. yeah that's it i mean there's there's value you're right there's value in automating some stuff online and but i mean this morning we got this this barrel of automated salesy type emails that we're working through a crm but we're so blatantly impersonal mm -hmm. that it's an immediate trash they might see that we opened it but like they'll also see it was trashed within three seconds right so um there's value in however you're going to communicate with people that you're actually building a real relationship, getting to know them and, and talking to them. Yeah. So sure. that, that it, it's, those are tools that help you to solidify the business, but that's not what gets you the business. It just helps solidify it. I still think at the end of the day, you need to pick up the phone and call them or go over and see them. <clears throat> there has to be that verbal communication. Yeah. yeah. So how are you, um, you're in social media as well. You said some people, you know, are, are finding you and seeing you there. So what sorts of things are you doing in social media right now that are helping you? I struggle with social media. <laughs> I struggle so much because I don't want to have to put my lists and solds and all the other stuff. And I don't want to always have to show where I am and stuff like that. So I'm in that, I'm in that kind of little, that gray area where, yeah, I'll put some of that stuff on there. I'll, it, you know, show a little bit of, of my life and what I'm doing. Um, I think there's that happy medium. Um, at the end of the day, I just want to be true of who I am. Right. So I have to, as an agent, I have to show that I'm selling properties to people. I have to, you know, I keep that I'm a realtor at the forefront. That has to be there somehow. But I also want them to know who I am as Mike Samra, who, you know, who, you know, without totally showing it. But, yeah, I have a family. I have three kids. I have a wife. Um, I'm a human being at the end of the day. I have a life. I'm going through probably the same struggles you are. So it's showing that to a certain degree with social media. I don't believe I, I get a lot of business from social media. I know there's mm -hmm. a lot of people that say most of the business does come from social media. Yeah. I don't get a lot of business from social media. I think it solid, solidifies a lot of business for me, but yeah. I don't feel that I just get a phone call from someone who saw me on Instagram that now wants to sell their house. Right. Um, yeah. That hasn't happened to me. And if it happens to other people, that's great. But for me, no, it solidifies it. It's someone who I went to go see yesterday at an appointment who then creeps me and looks on Instagram and Facebook and so and all that other stuff and then says, oh, okay, this guy is legit. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what it does for me, right? So. Exactly. Well, and I think at the end of the day, it's all about having a focused approach. And for you, it's the calling and getting prospects that way. Um, yeah. For other people, it could be social media, but you're staying true to who you are. And and that's all, that, that's what's, what matters most. 100%. 
Um, so in terms of um, like books or podcasts or anything like that, do you recommend um, anything real estate focused that you've uh, had consumed lately? Oh, um, I am not a book reader. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, read, I read a few books here. That I love to read books. I have the attention span of a housefly. So yeah. I'll start reading the book and I'll actually go through words and my mind's just going somewhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. I've read a couple of good books. Um, there, I've done uh, one of the great things that I've done was I've taken a course and I read that, actually that book, which which is Think and Grow Rich. So okay. thinking into results, Bob Proctor, that kind of stuff. Um, I was I'm huge into that. So Laws of the Universe, I've read that book. So I do read books. I'm not, a, but I'm not a novel person. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Laws yeah. of the Universe is really great. Uh, if you read the Laws of the Universe. Um, one of the biggest thing I, I've taken away from that, we've all heard about the law of attraction, but mm -hmm. law of reciprocity is huge. Uh, and people don't understand how powerful that is. Just in the simple fact that if I do something good for you, you feel that you have to reciprocate back to me. Mm -hmm. And that is huge in the sense, and that's really what we're doing in real estate. I'm going to give that person, the souls in their area, the value, you know, you always hear, give them the value, give them the value, give them the value. They'll eventually come back to you. That's really the law of reciprocity where I'm going to give them that they're going to feel somewhat, maybe not, but subconsciously they may feel that they have to reciprocate. So, you know what, uh, Daniel, Katie, I'm actually, yeah, thanks so much for all the stuff. I'm actually ready to sell. Do you guys mind coming over? Mm -hmm. Or when I go to an listing appointment, I usually bring them, you know, some desserts or something like that. Yeah. Something. Again, subconsciously, the law of reciprocity may kick in at that point in time. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really huge. I, I'm into that kind of stuff. So I've been reading a few books on that. Uh, there's another one called, um, there's one by Gabby Bernstein, which is the book that I, I'll read uh, at least a few times a year. Oh, I've read one by her recently. Um, oh, what's it called? Anthony. Look it up. Look it up. Um, <laughs> I, I do all mine through Audible. Like I, I just listen to the books. I can't yeah. read the same. I, I mean, I can read, but <laughs> I have the same as you. When I'm reading, and my mind goes somewhere, or I try to do it at night, and I'm I'm falling asleep within seconds. Yeah, yeah. like my wife, my wife can read a whole novel in an hour, and oh, it's like oh, even my son's like that now. Yeah. I can't. I, that, that's something that I can't do. Um, yeah. But Gabby Bernstein uh, did a book called Not Working with the Universe. The, the Universe Has Your Back. Okay, yeah. So I've that, heard one that. There, that one there was huge. That one yeah. was uh, about, you know, finding your, listening to the universe and all that other stuff. But that was great about her story. She was an alcoholic drug addict who then turned her life around and got signs from the universe and all that stuff. So I was into that. That was kind of interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. that's really that's one thing that I agree with is that there's lots of people and there's lots of good real estate books out there. Mm -hmm. But I also find value in books about people and interactions and relationships and just the way things are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just understand the way that we all operate together because that really the psychology of it is really what sales is all about in a lot of ways, right? So get it right on the head. It's, it's all about that. The, the real estate books are telling you how to sell, but I want to know why, what's yeah. the, what's I'll take it even further. Why did, why am I saying that? What, what response am I eliciting by saying those comments or using that tonality or talking in that speed? So, you know, NLP, any books on NLP are really good as well to understand more so about tonality, tone, vibration, speed, all that stuff mirroring um stuff along those lines are also really good 
Cool. So speaking of listening, we've talked about, and we will put a link to your uh, to your channel or the Facebook was it a group Facebook yeah, group. group? Yeah. But tell us tell us about your podcast. Also, oh yeah, so a podcast. <laughs> I don't know if it's really real estate related, but it is a bit. Well, um, I mean, it's a. It is. It is a little bit. Um, Stuart St. Clair and myself, so as an agent uh, at, at our office, we decided, I think last year, that I want to do a podcast. So I'm like, I'm going to do a podcast. You want to do it with me? He's like, sure. So uh, it's called The Stu and Mike Show. And uh, yeah, we talk about real estate. Uh, real estate is probably the, the major topic along the lines with everything else involved in real estate and life and balance and health and all that stuff. So uh, we've been getting a few guests on here and there. And uh, yeah, so if you want to look it up, it's the Stu and Mike show. It's on, I think, Spotify and uh, iTunes and all that stuff. Great. Cool. Well. That's it. You're, you're a media mogul. <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, it's funny because I, I don't think that. And then I brought my son to his robotics camp um, for the first time in March. And the guy comes out, oh, here, I love your podcast. I'm like, holy, oh. I had no idea. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, I really listen all the time. I'm like, oh, geez. I, you know, so. Yeah, it's funny the reach it has, and that's the thing. You, you don't realize, again, even going back to the prospecting, you don't realize the reach you're getting until, you know, until until it's not too late, but until you actually start to see a little bit of the glimmer of the hope. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of the times it's just role-playing. Role-playing gets out a lot, helps with a lot of how to handle those objections, what to say, and yeah. having that other person on the other line critique you, which sometimes sucks. Yeah. Um, is most valuable, right? Like, oh, yeah. well, you sounded awful say that. Why don't you try doing it like this? Or, you know, it didn't come off too good. Or you said, um, too many times. Or you paused. Or so practice, practice, practice is really where it comes down to. Yeah. And and with anybody, like, that doesn't have to be people in the real estate office. Like, role play with your wife, with your yep. kids, with whoever. Yeah. Whoever you yeah. Whoever's trying to listen. <laughs> yeah. Or not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Lisa just asked, how many transactions do you do per year on average? Um, between 30 to 35. And do you have an assistant? Oh, do you have an assistant or anything? It's just all you? I, I, I have nobody. It's me by myself. I pick up my phone. I have everything pretty well automated in the sense that I have my Google Drive. I have my forms. Yeah. It's literally just me sending the deals once they're done to the office. I handle everything. I have it pretty well streamlined. So. So, uh, on, on that front, then, we, we know the things that you do and the systems you have, but what is a typical, and maybe there's no such thing as typical, but in a day, you know, you wake up on a Tuesday yep. and the day's going to go the way you want it to go. What does that look like for you in terms of how you structure your day? So day will go, yeah, a typical day, because yeah, right. I'm not living in typical times right now, but a typical day um, would be coming to the office uh, probably by nine o'clock. Um, start to call by 9.15, 9.30, be done around 11.30, 11.45, follow up with some emails, have some lunch. Um, the previous day before my phone calls should have enlisted some type of appointment. So one to three o'clock, I should be doing my appointments, uh, doing showings, following up with any offers. Then usually by four or five o'clock, I'm home and I'm done. Amazing. I don't usually work any evenings unless I'm showing property to buyers that, you know, that are legitimate buyers that are signed on buyer contracts. I don't do weekends. So for the most part, I've tried as best as I can to shove my business between nine and three, four o'clock. Um, having family dinner is very important to us. So I yeah. always make sure we're always having dinner together. So that's my golden hour of not booking anything. If I have a listed appointment or anything like that, it'll be at 7, 
but mm -hmm. five and six thirty, though that's the golden hour where I'm usually definitely home having dinner with the family. I like to be home for the kids when they're school. So that kind of stuff. But that would be mostly my my schedule. Nine to eleven is prospecting. Then the rest of the afternoon, wherever it takes me, do I have to go do, you know, photos for a listing? Am I going on an appointment? Am I showing property? Um, and then I'm done. That's amazing. And thirty to 35 transactions in a year based on that schedule. That's yeah. incredible. But it comes back to your systems and your consistency and you just gotta stick to it. Yeah, and there are weekends and nights I go. I'm not saying I yeah. go. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm trying to not do that. Right, so. Yeah, that's awesome. We put a thorn in his calling hour today for an hour. I know. No, I got to the office at 10.30. I'm actually making a movie. So, really? Yeah. So yeah, I'm actually I'm, we're making a shot. I have a, a friend of mine. I'm taking acting classes because I wanted to take Good acting. For you. So I'm acting classes. Awesome. I met a guy who uh, we kind of have the both same humor, and we're actually we've created a short film that we're finalizing a script on, and we're going to be filming probably uh, next month for this short film to try wow. to take it to a feature film. So I've been in this morning. I was on the phone all morning, so it actually worked out perfectly. So oh my nice. god, lacking. Let's say. That is awesome. Like, what is, what is this film about? Okay, the film is about uh, this two friends. One guy um, is getting divorced. His wife tells him that uh, she's going to divorce and she um, is a lesbian. Okay. And basically, it's his struggle going through, you know, he's in an acting class prior to that, going yeah. through life, uh, not life, going through the rest of the little while that's taking, you know, trying to understand that his wife is a lesbian she left them is he good enough or whatnot and then through this acting class and there's a monologue with a um with a uh, transgender person basically saying i kind of understand what you're going through you need to be there supportive for your wife and whatnot and you need to find your own truth and mm -hmm. basically at the end of the movie or the short film it's the scene is where you end up finding out that he ends up becoming an actor and the last scene is he flips on a wig and he's dressed in drag and it just ends like that. So. Oh my God, that's yeah. awesome. Even yeah. with spoiler alert, I uh, want to watch seriously. it. Seriously. Who is that? Are you the guy or? I'm, I'm sorry? Are you the guy? Like so, so this really started because we were in an acting class and yeah. none of the managers wanted to pick my, me or my friend up as 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 to, to be a manager or okay. an acting manager. So I said, screw it, so let's make our own movie. He's like, what? <laughs> yeah, I said, I'm, I don't I need to go on audition for a movie. I'll just make my own movie. He's like, okay, yeah, let's do it. I so we kind of you know, started off with this idea and it kind of evolved into this. So that's Great. Kinda, we're, what we're doing right now. So it's, it's it's so fitting. You don't take no for an answer. That's the way to yeah. be, exactly. Exactly, if I, if I, I'll find another way, not a worries. That's awesome. Well, if you need a daughter at all, our daughter is trying to get into that. I saw that. I saw that. And I was like, oh my God. If you need a daughter. If you need a daughter. Yeah. Well, it's like a random background person. She's happy to do it for free. Yeah, she doesn't care. Did you enjoyed it? What's that? Yeah, she, has she gone on any auditions yet or not yet? Not yet. No. Yeah. no. Just started. It just but... started. Yeah. That's but amazing. That's she's good. all for it. Yeah. She'll do anything that it presents as an opportunity. So, yeah. yeah it's, that's awesome. really fun. it's exciting. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We learned a lot and uh, I know everybody that was watching definitely got a lot out of it. So awesome. we Thanks appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much guys for having me on. And like I said, any questions? Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. Sounds good. All right. We'll see you in person very soon. I yeah. promise. <laughs> Thanks again. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Level up, 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 level up